Welcome to this edition of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. We are on episode 34. This is going to be kind of different. Little, little itty bitty bunch of sports. A lot of entertainment, including Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker. And I was joined by my buddy to talk about this movie, Joshua Durley from Oglesby, Illinois, middle of nowhere. Definitely like our Star Wars. He's lived all over Illinois, so probably all over the country. This dude does everything. Smart, educated man who loves some Star Wars. Everything Star Wars. And it was awesome to speak with him about this movie. Man, we talked for almost an hour. Not quite an hour, but pretty close. It was awesome to talk to him. Great dude. Knows the Star Wars stuff, always. So that's my boy, Joshua Durley. And I always call them like 18 names. This time I think I kept it a little short and added like five. Joshua Durley, definitely cool to talk to. Glad that he joined us. The few things that I want to talk about before we get Durley on here. First of all, I just saw this on Facebook. Seconds, I mean seconds before I pushed record on the mic. I want to say it's a legit source. I follow a bunch of wrestling groups on Facebook catch news and stuff like that. I don't really watch the new stuff, but you know, I keep track or keep my head or knowledge in the game by seeing these Facebook groups and what they have to say. But I saw that Rocky Johnson, who is The Rock, Dwayne Johnson's father, has passed away. Rest in peace. Hall of Fame wrestler from back in the day. I've seen a couple old matches with him. He was a tag team champion with Tony Atlas. I do know my old school wrestling info. (laughs) I shouldn't be laughing at all. It's a sad day. It's sad when anybody passes away, but he did a lot of great stuff in his life, including giving birth to The Rock, who is taking over the world at this point. It seems like he's in every movie. He was a stud for WWE and has done everything the right way from, you know, what I know. I don't really get into the tabloid stuff, so I don't know if there's anything behind the scenes. But if there was something crazy, he would not be on every single movie, the hit movies that he's been in, things like that. So rest in peace to Rocky Johnson. On the other side of the the coin, I guess we should say, the notorious B.I.G. has finally been inducted or announced to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That makes me crazy excited and happy. I am a huge Notorious B.I.G. fan. Loved his style, loved everything about him. Some of his songs are still on my playlist, including Juicy, which is my favorite song of all time. He deserves the nod, and I did see a comment on a post about why don't they have a hip-hop Hall of Fame. It would be just as prestigious as a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and would have the caliber of people, of artists, to get in there now. So what I suggest is squash the Rock and Roll, squash the Hip Hop Hall of Fames, and just have a Music Hall of Fame. You already got this Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with tons of Hip Hop performers in it. I think Tupac's in there, Biggie's in there, and I know there's some others I can't think on my top of my head pretty sure the Beastie Boys are in there, things like that. So why don't you just rename it? I know rock and roll was the start of music how it is now. It started with rock and roll and then everything just kind of played out from there to get more lively music instead of the old dance hall hits or 
don't even want to call them dance hall, but the way music was in the 50s and 60s and gospel-y and, and stuff like that. Just name it a music hall of fame and then have whatever you want in there. You want a polka artist that has sold more records than anybody else in polka? Put him in there. But to have this rock and roll and then hall of fame and then all this other stuff, it's not like sports where, okay, NBA, NFL, MLB, three completely different things. Like, yes, they're a sport, played way differently. And I understand that music sounds different. Yes, I get it. But all in all, music, you take away the genres, you can have different genres in the same building representing music. So if you have a music hall of fame, okay, here are the hall of fame people from the hip hop genre, the rock and roll genre, the country genre, the pop genre, whatever, all in the same building, in the same ceremonies. It just bugs me that they're like, oh, well, you know, there's only this amount of hip hop artists in the hall of fame. If the genre had its own, then, you know, it'd be more well represented. There are represented in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame should get credit for adding a kind of music that is not in the rock and roll, I guess, if you want to call characteristics. So they pretty much already started the music genre, just didn't change the name of the Hall of Fame. So change the name of the Hall of Fame. I think all sides are happy. I think it's awesome. You have rock and roll, hip hop, country, jazz, anything you want to, all in the same place. Okay, I just went on a four minute rant, probably about four minutes, just on rock and roll hall of fame. Anyway, big props to B.I.G., one of my favorites, he is in my top three, definitely on my Mount Rushmore of hip hop artists. Other things I want to talk about, so watching a couple different shows right now. I like talking entertainment just as much as I like sports. Just, you know, I try to be as well-cultured as possible. I'll watch anything once. Absolutely anything. And believe it or not, I am a Disney fan. I know it sounds weird. <laughs> I'm a dude. You know, all these other things. You know, I fit a lot of the male characteristics or stereotypes. I actually am a big Disney animated movie fan. Always have been. You know, born in 85, Lion King comes out in 92, I'm like 7, probably 6 because my birthday's in October. So I'm like 6 when it comes out. One of my favorite movies of all time. I love it. It is my favorite animated movie. I could watch The Lion King a million times over. No doubt. Aladdin, great movie. Beauty and the Beast, great movie. And I can go on and go on and go on and go on. Because they're able to tell stories that a lot of other companies or whatever can't. Or if it's not even Disney, it's just an animated movie. The things that you can do with animation, way, way, way more than the human body can do. And that brings different elements to movies and different things that you can do to tell stories. And I love it. I'm a big animation guy. Not really anime. I don't really like that stuff. But other animated movies, definitely. Huge Disney fan. So with that said, watched a couple of TV shows lately and a movie, since I was just talking about Disney, I checked out the live action Aladdin. I'm not gonna hate on it. It wasn't that bad. Really wasn't that bad. However, I love the animated movie, and I feel when they're already animated movies, and they're legendary, or epic, or iconic, or any of that stuff, or the story has been told many, many, many times in different forms and whatever, but that is the form that you think of. That Aladdin movie. Or that Beauty and the Beast movie, they redid that in live action. And Cinderella, and Lion King, and Dumbo, and Lady and the Tramp, and all these other things. 
the one thing that I do not like about the live action, again, is because there's some things that you can't do with people. Even though they did a, I thought, a okay job with Will Smith and doing the Never Had a Friend Like Me song in the Cave of Wonders before they get out, before Aladdin makes his first wish. They're in the Cave of Wonders. He sings the song. He's doing all the stuff that the animated Robin Williams did in the original Aladdin animated movie. But it was just kind of hokey because it was an animated segment taken to real life things that cannot happen in real life or have not happened that anybody alive has seen. And if you have seen, want to know the story. And I'm going to hook you up to lie detector test because you're just feeding me garbage is what I'm going to originally think. Will Smith is a genie like dancing around and doing all the, you know, the hocus pocus kind of stuff. Was cool on a sort of level, but at the same time I just felt like this is kind of hokey because they try to keep it kind of animated but not animated. And I, I didn't I didn't really like that. I'm not going to lie. Some of the other parts of the movie were really cool. I like Aladdin's kind of parquet stuff as he's running, you know, away from the guards and stuff like that. That was pretty cool. I liked the interaction with the magic carpet and Abu. I like that Abu didn't talk. Even though he didn't talk in the animated movie, I'm glad they kept it that way. That was pretty cool. I thought they could have cast Jafar a little better because that dude was not intimidating, did not look tough, did not seem like somebody to be scared of. But he did an alright job. He just didn't look the part to me. That, that's all. But I thought who they cast for Jasmine and Aladdin was awesome. I thought they did a really, really good job. I did not like the fact that I felt like it was a Broadway play for a few pieces of it, or a few segments, I should say. I felt like it was more Broadway play than a movie. And if I'm watching a movie, I want to watch a movie. Not saying I don't like musicals, but the way they set it up, it just looked like they were on a stage for Broadway instead of in a real background or in a city street or in the place that Aladdin stays at. I don't know what you want to call kind of like a broken down tower that he has turned into some sort of apartment. But it just seemed more like it was a play. They were singing some songs than an, than an actual movie. And I think that's due with the sets. It didn't seem to flow as, as well as you'd want it to. But all in all, okay movie I'm not gonna say I'd watch it again I really don't watch a lot of movies more than once I know oh, you know you might miss something you gotta watch it again I am NOT that person I will watch like my favorite movies a few more times than others but I am NOT somebody that's gonna be like you know what I might have missed something I'm gonna go back and watch it there are so many things out there to watch video games to play things that you try to do so you can call yourself multicultural there's not a lot of time to rewatch, reread, replay, re-whatever the same things over and over and over again. A few of my top picks, you know, you'll go over and watch and, and listen to again and you know, whatever. But that really doesn't happen often. Not at all. A couple TV shows I've been watching. Master Chef Junior. I've been kind of marathoning it to the extreme. Started watching the first season. Uh, I want to say like two weeks ago, and I'm already at the end of four. That's marathoning for me. I'm really not a sit down and watch a lot of TV guy all at one point. So, you know, I'll catch a show here, a couple here, you know, things like that. So that's marathoning for me. Anyway, I kind of really like it. It's cool to see little kids making some dishes I've never even heard of. I call myself an okay cook. There is no way I can make some of the stuff that is on there. So that's pretty cool. 
And I like the interaction between Gordon Ramsay, Graham, I don't remember his last name, and whoever the other host is. Now there's a woman, I don't remember her name. Joe was in the first couple seasons. So I like the interaction between them and the kids and the little things that they do, like dumping syrup on their head and things like that for competitions. That's pretty cool. I like how they do that. So I recommend it. I kind of like it better than the adults because the adults take it super serious. And even though the kids are serious, they're also joking around and having fun. And, you know, there's not that pressure that you can see with adults. There is to a certain level, but adults, I mean, some people are just... You know, no nonsense, let's cook, I want to win this competition, which is cool, but it's also cool to add the, I guess the innocence, we'll say the innocence of some of these kids. I mean, they range from age 8 to age 13. So the things that they are doing and saying and having fun making food for the best chefs in the world, they are showing the excitement and energy and it's kind of more uplifting and instead of, you know, seeing adults get down on themselves because they're not doing it right or you know mess up some of the kids will start crying and then three seconds later it's like nothing happened which is a cool crossover you know with adults sometimes you know we'll hawk on something and it's hard for us to go to that next level not with the kids not with the kids at all another show i'm watching is good girls season two i think i'm on like episode nine or ten I loved series one. I thought it was a great show. I liked the concept. You have some older women who, you know, they're parents, they have kids, they work in not the greatest jobs. One husband is car dealer, cheats on her, then they don't have any money, gotta figure out what's going on. One has got a sick kid, the other one is, you know, a mother of a teenager can't figure out her life, can't really do anything extra or support them to the, the ways that, you know, some Americans want to, you know, stuck in a cycle, stuck in a routine and you can't get out of it. That's kind of where she's at. So they rob a place and then it becomes we're money laundering for a gangster and this should not be a spoiler because Good Girls has been out for, I think they're on season three or going to start season three soon. Season 2 was cool, but I like the first one better, just in the fact it's kind of slow. Slow down where they're trying to build storylines, because they go through the storylines of the first season, and then now they're trying to, you know, piece things together and things like that, and it kind of slows down a little bit, and some of the transitions are kind of not that great to get to the, the next story or something like that. But I haven't seen the end of the season, which I heard was epic. And there are some moments that happen in season two that are like, oh man, <laughs> I can see that happening in real life and that would be a bad situation to be in. Some of it's kind of crazy cool and you know, I like that. So I recommend that as well. It's a really good show. I think the concept of what is going on in that show is something that could be happening in a city right now. Probably not in a small town because you know, people talk and stuff like that. But in the city, I could see it happening. And of course, it takes place in Detroit. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. It's in Detroit. <laughs> well, I was going to keep this intro fairly short, but that did not happen because I started going on about Rock and Roll Hall of Fames, but we will get to it right now. My good friend Joshua Durley talking about some Star Wars. He's a huge Star Wars fan, and it is always my pleasure to speak with him. So I want to share that with you. 
If you have anything to say about Star Wars, hit us up on social media, Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, Twitter, Edge of Your CP. Share this episode and other episodes with your friends and family about all kinds of stuff. Most of them are sports. This one is Star Wars and entertainment type stuff. You can send them to Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and Google Music. Well, all the plugs are done. Intro is done. I have already introed my friend Joshua Durley about seven times now. I just wanted to make an eighth. Just so you know how excited I was to talk to him and how excited I am to share our conversation with you. We will be back soon. Until next time. Peace. Since I've seen Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, I have wanted to talk about this movie. I was pumped up when I heard it was coming out. I couldn't wait for the release in the movie theater. Finally got to see it. And now I have my good buddy, Joshua Durley Wilkinson Edwards Weberson III, a.k.a. just Joshua Durley, but it's always fun to say a bunch of names after his real name. You you forgot CBMD, PhD. And all that other great stuff. (laughs) (laughs) How is it going, my friend? Oh, fantastic. Thanks, uh, Brandon. Thanks for having me on the show. Really excited about this. I'm much more excited to talk about this movie, honestly, than I was to go see it. You know, uh, a little background about me. I'm 39 years old. I saw The Return of the Jedi in the theater when it was first released in 83. I saw the mid-80s re-releases when they had their limited re-release as a child. So I saw all three of the movies. You know, in the 80s, before they changed everything, I was there uh, during the special editions. I was there for the prequels, there for that awful uh, 3D that they've done. And I've, I've been there and seen every single Star Wars movie, Star Wars main canon movie, in the theater. I'm a huge fan. I have Star Wars tattoos. I have a room entirely dedicated to my Darth Vader toys. I'm a toy dealer in the spring through fall, and I deal in Star Wars toys. So, by all that information, you can tell very obviously that I'm a big fan of Star Wars. Above most every other fandom that I can think of. That is exactly why I wanted to have you on, because I knew about your fandom for Star Wars. So let's hop right into the movie. You said you're more excited to talk about it than you were to see it. Why weren't you that pumped to see it? The sequel trilogy didn't really grab me. I really liked The Force Awakens. I thought J.J. Abrams did a great job with it. He did what he does with movies. He did well what he does with movies, which is reboot them. And I really enjoyed The Force Awakens. You know, uh, another Death Star. You brought back the old characters. You brought in a bunch of uh, really good, convincing new characters. You killed off some old characters because I think that's important. The new trilogy, it's not about the old, it's about the new, about transition, which has always been a big thing in Star Wars. Then I saw The Last Jedi, and I was uh, incredibly disappointed. I didn't like the way they were going with the movies, I didn't like the new characters that were introduced, Uh, I thought most of the movie was generally filler. So coming into this third movie, I was warily optimistic. I was very leery about what I was going to see. But after seeing it, I have a lot of things to say about it, a lot of critiques about it. But my number one thing is uh, I left the theater smiling. I left the theater smiling. I've been happy about it ever since. And and I've nitpicked it more and more and more because 
I'm a Star Wars nerd. I'm going to nitpick this stuff. I'm going to break it down and inspect every aspect of it that I can. And that's why we do podcasts talking about this movie. So let's go. (laughs) For sure. Since you left smiling and you just left off with that, what were the things that made you smile? What were the things that you're like, man, they did that really well? Just the whole feel of the movie. I I feel like it ended on a nice closed note. We're going to do spoilers here, you know. I like how Ray is kind of the last of everything there is. There's no more no more hidden Jedi's, no more hidden Sith. She's got this great opportunity to launch forward into a new trilogy and more stories, you know, of Ray Skywalker, even though she wasn't a Skywalker. And that's my favorite part about the whole thing. The Luke saga was awesome. Luke Skywalker, great character. Han Solo, great character. All the ones that we all know. Darth Vader, R2-D2, C-3PO. They'll probably be around forever because they're droids. They can be around forever. But Certainly. <laughs> certainly. But that was the greatest part is now they have a chance to tell new stories. At the end of these movies, I was kind of getting sick of seeing them show up. And even in this one where they have the holograms and, and things like that, I'm, I'm ready for them to move on. Tedious. Tedious. They, they brought Harrison Ford back for, for a cameo as a memory. I hated that. I was, I was the only person in the theater that clapped when, when Han Solo got killed. That's also part of my happiness, but part of happiness for Harrison Ford, because Harrison Ford really didn't want anything to do with Star Wars after the first one. After episode five, he was put into Carbonite because they didn't even think that he was going to come back for episode six. So to see him dead and gone made me really happy. Princess Leia died. I love Carrie Fisher. Rest her soul. But I didn't want to see CGI Carrie, all right? I didn't want to remember her like that. It upset me when I saw it in, uh, not as much, uh, when I saw it in, in Rogue One, but seeing the stuff uh, in episode, seven, episode 8 bothered me. And, and the idea that she was going to be coming back, they had so many great opportunities to kill her. I was really upset about, you know, how they just used footage that they already had. That didn't look so good, but we'll talk about that later. I'm very happy that I now know exactly how much Poe Dameron I will have to suffer through. One of my least favorite characters that they introduced into uh, this trilogy. His dialogue was tedious. His character, his personality was unnecessary. He was too overblown. I feel like they were trying to go for Han Solo and they wound up with Jar Jar. You know? That's a great analogy. I mean, I don't know if I'd go so far as Jar Jar, but yeah, they tried to make another great, rebellious bounty hunter, but not really a bounty hunter type of guy like Han Solo was. I think they failed too. I mean, the, the movie, visually spectacular, but that's something I expect from Lucasfilm. You know, anything less, I'd be disappointed. The score was incredible. John Williams, you know, nails it every time. He makes movies. Overall, it was just, it was a fun ride that left me feeling much happier than when I left the theater after episode eight, and about the same place I was with episode seven. I expected less than what I got. That really made me happy. I feel like J.J. Abrams... He really nailed it on this one, and I feel like the uh, the court of public opinion will let him make movies after this, because if he hadn't done an amazing Star Wars movie, he would have never directed again. True. And what's funny is, you you know, say public opinion, the public, anybody that I've talked about this movie has genuinely liked it. Of course, we're Star Wars fans. We are human beings, Americans in 2019, where everybody complains about everything. So, yes, even if you are a huge Star Wars fan and love the movie, there are things to nitpick always and everything that we do. 
But for the most consensus was that it was cool. But if you read reviews or look at Rotten Tomatoes or anything like that, it's total opposite and they crushed it. Oh yeah, I think, I think they did a great job. Now, do you want to hear my critiques? Let's do they're, it. They're not, they're not even too harsh. They're far less harsh than they were in a, for episode eight. My big complaint is, uh, once again, there was about 45 minutes of the movie that could just be cut out entirely. Absolutely useless, you know, because it was followed the basic tropes that they've been doing. Go to the place, find the thing, chase the MacGuffin. And then they had to introduce unnecessary characters once again, complete throwaway characters. And I think it's cute, you know, the Finn found a girl and Poe kind of had his thing going on. It was unnecessary. They had the new droid. I'm going to argue with you right there. I don't mean to, to interrupt you. But I think they did that for the future. So we had the the closing with Ray and, you know, what happens with Palpatine and, you know, things like that. But I really do feel moving on, whether they go through a thing with Ray or, you know, sidebars with Finn or Bo or whatever. I feel like they were setting up stories to continue a story, you know, based off that, but to a whole new story, if that makes sense. So they, oh, sure. so they did that to kind of branch off. So they had stories. So they had something else to tell in either future films, future books, you know, future whatever. They set it up for future stories. I one hundred percent agree with it, but it did not add to the overall plot or motion of this of this movie. And I can see that. But like I said, I, I knew what they were doing while they were doing it. it. Sounds like you did too. I do have to say, I got to give it to JJ. All of the nods to the old uh, pre-Mouse expanded universe in this movie, I felt like he was trying to tell me and all of us older fans that we still matter, most of all. The whole fleet, that was the Katana fleet, I can always say, you know, uh, the, the giant planet-killing uh, weapons they have. I can't think of the exact expanded universe trilogy that that dealt with, but there were vehicle-carried, uh, starship carried super weapons like that. The thing with the Emperor coming back, Kind of made me think about when he was cloning himself, having all the Sith there at the same time. It reminded me of the end of the novel, Bane, talking about Darth Bane with the spirit bomb. There were a lot of nods back to the, the old expanded universe that really, really pleased me. I did like Palpatine being the monster bad guy, because if you go back to the very first Star Wars movie that ever came out, which is you know now episode four, New Hope, he was that dude. And then right. he kind of went to the back burner and, you know, you had Darth Vader and Darth Maul and, you know, all these other guys come in, Kylo Ren. And then it goes back to the originator who had been there the whole time, but it had used these other bad guys as kind of like his minions. Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, having Palpatine as the bad guy in the background the entire time, even not being seen in episode seven and eight. No, I do feel like that was shoehorned in there. I kind of thought that they had bigger plans for Snoke, but I'm doing something right now with this podcast that I do not participate in at all. And that is talk about on a different level other than amongst friends about the movies and, and speculate and such. I separate myself from the speculation. If I'm watching stuff about Star Wars, it's, it's probably going to be about the toys. It's not going to be you know, deeper analysis of the movies and things like that. I, I, try, I try to keep it as pure for myself as possible. But having Palpatine there, you know, I did feel like they had bigger plans for Snoke. I actually expected him to be revealed as Plagueis, especially considering how the novel Plagueis came out right before the sequel trilogy came out. 
You know, that's okay. You know, you kill off that big, bad, evil guy, and we get the biggest, baddest, evil guy. I like that. It was very entertaining. Definitely. And I mentioned Kylo Ren. I'm kind of interested. Let's face it. We know Star Wars is going to do something after this. They're not going to just, oh, well, the Skywalker saga is over. You know, we're not going to do anything. We all know that's not the truth. Yeah, I mean, the mouse has made its money back. Now now it wants that 500% profit. Exactly, exactly. So if you're asking me, like, hey, Brandon, where do you think that they would go next? I would honestly go with Kylo Ren and see what happens after his, I don't know if you call it a transformation, but at the end of the movie where he's helping Ren and making out with her and all this other stuff, where does it go from there? Yeah, that's something that really excited me, the whole Raylo thing. I, uh, I like that. I'm glad they're not related. <laughs> but what if it comes back that they are? That would be kind of crazy. But but I really hope they don't do that because that would be just, that's pretty much Star Wars. That's how it all started. So I, I don't really want to see that again. You know, that, that completely came out of the blue for me. You know, Sheev's, Sheev Palpatine is, is Ray's grandfather. You know, when, when did Sheev have time to go out on a date, let alone go, go and get some hanky-panky? I, I mean, I realize he was the emperor. He could pretty much do whatever he wanted, but I feel like he was a little bit more dead Jedi than, you know, hey, baby, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Right. But if you think about it, you probably could have had a kid without even having to touch anybody. Fair enough. You know, and that that also goes back to the early expanded universe novels. There was a whole trilogy about the Emperor cloning himself and cloning Luke, you know? The one thing I'm scared of, I don't know, have you seen the new show Mandalorian? I love the Mandalorian. I heard it's great. I have not checked it out yet. But just off of Twitter, Facebook, talking to people, there's a lot of hoopla around baby Yoda. I love Yoda. Don't get me wrong. One of my favorite characters. But as we were talking about before, I was kind of happy, and you were happy, that they were killing off the old characters. I kind of don't want them to go into another saga, another trilogy, another movie thing with baby Yoda being a key part. And it sounds like that's what people want. I really don't. I think the most important thing that we have to do with Baby Yoda is stop calling the Yodling Baby Yoda. I don't feel like that's Yoda's child. You know, maybe Yoda and Yondola got together, or Yondola, I'm sorry, got together at some point. I don't think so. If Yoda had children, they're out there somewhere else. I really hope that the mouse doesn't expose too much about what the Yodling is. I feel like Yoda and his species to Star Wars what Wolverine's origin was to Marvel. They should have never opened that box up. They should have left, just left it to Great Mystery. I totally agree with you. Sometimes less is more. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it keeps us wondering. It keeps us speculating. Now, this, this Yodeling, I do not see it coming up the way that Yoda did. It is not going to turn into a Jedi Master. It may be powerful with the Force, but it's being raised by a Mandalorian in a world of violence and pain. True. You got a point there. I know you said you didn't like the side stories with Finn and bringing that new character in. I think her name is Jenna and the masked woman with Bo and, you know, their stories. But I right. really did like that they were telling stories outside of the main Star Wars story. So we get new movies and stuff like that. That, I thought that was a good part about uh, Rise of Skywalker, but I can understand where you're saying it's not. That goes back to your question of uh, where do you think Star Wars is going to go next? And I feel like a lot of it is going to be the side stories. I really, really enjoyed Rogue One. I cannot express 
how delighted I was with Rogue One. Solo, uh, I can I can live without it. But you know what? Other people rave about it and say it's great. So I'm not the Star Wars police. Like what you want. You know, I like Darth Vader. That's I like four, five, and six. I like Darth Vader. That's my thing. The way I look at it, as long as it's quality, I'm happy with it. As long as the mouse keeps Star Wars relevant, I'm happy about it. You know, I, I like seeing new generations get into it. I like seeing some little kid wearing, wearing a Star Wars T-shirt. You know, you know, some some kid, some little girl dressed up as Princess Leia or a stormtrooper, whatever. I'm not not judging anything here. As long as new generations come in, and they don't make the movies too childish. They, as long as they make them something that yes, us older fans can enjoy as well. Then I'm, I'm going to be happy with it. I totally agree. I totally agree. I'm glad you brought up Rogue One. Rogue One is my second favorite Star Wars movie. I know it's not in the, you know, the Chronicles, the saga, whatever you want to call it, but it's my second favorite Star Wars movie of all time. One being Return of the Jedi. Oh, really? Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's funny because you know, amongst amongst the saga fans, typically, almost exclusively, Empire is the favorite movie it is the best movie as far as i'm concerned that was made you know and a lot of people say that the jedi was very derivative they also say that about you know the force awakens as well because you know they're just retelling the death star again it was just different it was a it was a different way of looking and i like what richard marquand did with it i think Irvin kershaw directed a better movie with empire but yeah rogue one was exceptional and uh i like the retelling and then the side story what happened in between all those, like, there's plenty of gaps because you have to understand the Star Wars saga takes place, you know, from episode one to episode nine, 50 some years. Oh, yeah. yeah you know, this definitely. is not a short story. Four, five, and six alone take five years. You know, episode five, you know, Irvin Kershner said he was trying to get the feeling of that movie taking two and a half years. You're traveling through space and you might be going fast with the light speed, but. Still got to get places, takes a while to get there, you know? Just to rebuttal what you're saying about Return of the Jedi, obviously saw it when I was a kid. What I liked most about it, I don't know if it was kind of, it kind of like closed off that trilogy, but it was just, for me, more fun as a kid. So, you know, going back, it might not be, you know, the best made movie or whatever, but as a kid, I remember it just being like a fun movie that was cool to watch and still told the story. Right, right. And finish the story. Everything pretty much wrapped up in a nice, neat bow, you know. I felt like it could end there, you know. And then, then, then they did the prequels, and, you know, I'm, I'm one of those old fans that didn't like the prequels. But now as the years have gone by, I've, I've grown to appreciate them a lot more. Originally, it was, uh, it was R2's story, honestly. Episodes 1 through 6, R2's story. But it was R2's story about Darth Vader. You know, R2 was the only, the only character... And those six movies that had a recollection of all the events that occurred. Now, 3PO was there, but he had his mind wiped after episode three. Now, the, the new trilogy, I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's, it's really opening up the Star Wars universe in a way that the other movies haven't had. This new sequel trilogy, overall, has brought in so many more ideas of different things that are going on. And here's soon us a little bit more of the, you know, the, the down in the trenches, regular people in the Star Wars universe, or in, the, or in the Star Wars galaxy, I guess would be more appropriate to say. This new one especially, it really did like leave a lot of open ends for things to occur. So to kind of play off what you were just talking about is the part with the spy. I like that, 
You know, in 2019, there are people telling stories or telling the truth or unveiling things that, you know, murders and, you know, crime and stuff like that all the time. Whether it's your friend or your family, you know, people are being narcs or snitches, whatever you want to talk about. Honestly, it's, I don't like it. I think it's awful, but that's kind of the society that we're in now. If you uh -huh. get backed into a corner, the easiest and first thing that you do is narc, snitch, tell something that you know you were you swore in a secrecy or something like that so to see, yeah. so to see that in a movie like star wars where you know he's a spy he's telling the alliance things that the dark force obviously is going to kill you for is obviously you know that's a number one sin in in that thing and he does it and they put it in the movie i thought that was kind of it's kind of telling that they're you know catching on to people in society as well oh yeah you know that's something uh I really felt like George Lucas really tried, uh, especially with the prequel trilogies, to try to be relevant to what was going on. In fact, if you read the uh, foreword for the novelization of episode three, he says, I want you to watch this movie or read this novel and think about what's going on in modern society right now. And I want you to draw parallels between it because they are there. Definitely. I, now, think, I, I think I could do that with every Star Wars movie, actually. Yeah. Now, it's, it's funny you mentioned the spy. I had watched Rebels, and there was a spy there, uh, uh, Agent Callus. And when the spy revealed himself, my first thought was, didn't this guy already expose himself as a spy? And then I realized I was thinking about, you know, another, a whole different thing happening in the, in the Star Wars galaxy. But I thought it was pretty funny. I thought that was kind of a callback to Rebels right there with the spy. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much, for sure. Another great show if you have the opportunity to watch it, I... The things that are putting, being put out outside of the, the main the main stories are, are really interesting. They're really worth watching. Dave Filoni did a fantastic job with that. Yeah, I will have to check it out, no doubt. I liked having Lando in there. That was fun, you know. I'm kind of sad that he wasn't uh, running some kind of mining operation. We met him on Bespin in Episode 5 where he was at the Tabana Gas Mine. And it feels to me like every time we encountered him in the old expanded universe... He was running some kind of mining operation or another. I felt like it was kind of a ha-ha thing that they put in there. What's Lando doing besides being a scoundrel? Oh, he's got some kind of mining thing going on. <laughs> That's the one thing I... It was cool having him in there. Yeah. It, it was cool having him in the movie, but I was just waiting for that moment of trickery or him being a scoundrel or him doing something two-faced or stab, right. stab somebody in the back, and I didn't get it, and I was kind of disappointed in that. My big disappointment with Lando, and I know it was impossible, and this goes against something I said earlier about getting rid of Leia, but I wish Lando had been able to give his love to Leia. You know, I wish he had been able, in the movie, to encounter her, and, you know, and, and say something smooth to her. That was the one scene that I didn't get that I thought would have been really neat. Yeah, I could see that. That would have been cool. That would have been cool to see. There's a few things, like, the scenes with Leia really, really were kind of bad. You know, there was all stuff that they had recorded before. You know, the whole thing with her and Ray handing the lightsaber back and forth, like, three times. And, you know, when, when she reacts to Ben being hurt so badly, Kylo Ren, you know, and her taking the set off, everybody had to act around that. And the scenes just weren't really believable. No, you know? they didn't flow well either. No, no, not at all. They had to do something. They didn't kill her off at so they, so they had to do something to get rid of her. And I like the way she went. 
I kind of feel like it was nice and peaceful. It was the way that Leia should have gone. So I do agree with you on how, you know, they let Leah go. Was, it was well done. I mean, she's an aging general, been around the story forever. Han's dead. Luke is dead, you know, every, everything like that. So how they let her go peacefully, that was cool. What was crazy to me in this movie was what they did with Chewie. So he gets on a ship because he was a prisoner. And then Ray and Kylo Ren are going to war battle, testing each other out. And then all of a sudden, her dark side sort of kind of comes alive and blows up the ship. Right. You know, they, they got me in that scene. I completely forgot about the other transport. They had me, you know, because there were two transports and he was put on one of them and they, you know, the left hand did one thing and the right hand did another and then they blew up the left hand. And I'll be honest, I cheered. I cheered, not because I wanted to see Chewbacca die, but because he's one of the old characters and he doesn't necessarily need to be there. But, you know, Wookiees live to be four or 500 years old and he's only a couple hundred years old in this movie. Yeah, so, he's going to be around for a while. He's not going nowhere. Yeah, he's he's definitely going to be an enduring character, which I'm all right with. I liked how they're showing how Chewbacca is like kind of a feral beast. He's been a lot more cuddly in the past, I think. And now with Han being dead, you know, so he's the one that he had the, the life debt to. And then Leia, now she's gone. Like Chewbacca is kind of a free agent. He no longer has a lot of the restrictions he had on him, you know. You can see that he is a, a feral beast, you know, wild humanoid. He's a, I don't want to say a monster. He's not an Ewok. No, not at all. What I could see them doing something else, because obviously they like keeping the old characters alive. Chewie's an old character. And we also talked about Lando, and we saw the reaction and the relationship that they had in Rise of Skywalker. I could see them doing something with Lando and Chewie together. That, that right there, that's a great point. I, uh, that's something I really enjoyed, too, seeing Lando and Chewie in the Falcon once again. I, I really like the two of them flying it together. That made me really excited. And that's something I could definitely see in the future. Even though we've been bashing them, bringing the old characters back and stuff, we're just like, hey, we like we like those two old characters being together in the oldest ship in the storyline. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's us. <laughs> I felt like they kind of hung on too much to lay on and on. You know, Chewie was never, he was, he was part of the main cast, but he wasn't like a main character. Just like Lando, he had a very important role to play, but he wasn't part of the main plot. I, I suppose it'd be the right way to say it. Definitely. He wasn't really thrown down our throats like the rest of them. Right, right. Just because we are still talking about old characters, do you think Darth Vader is the best villain of all time in movies? It's hard for me to say no because I'm very biased. I, uh, I've i got a Darth Vader tattoo, and like I said, I've got my, my Star Wars collection is incredibly small. My Star Wars collection could fit on a small kitchen table. My Darth Vader collection, however, takes up an entire room. I like it. He's my he's my favorite villain of all time. It doesn't matter what it is, what movie, whatever. He's my favorite villain. He can be aggressive. He can be cold and calculating. He can be manipulative. Just an incredible character. You know, plus the whole story behind him. And he looks badass. Sure, he's got asthma, but it's an awesome story. The guy got thrown in lava and survived. Who can say that? And James Earl Jones was his voice. 
James Earl, what a perfect villain voice. I, James Earl Jones has played a great villain. Look at him as Tulsa Doom and, uh, and Conan. Terrifying. Just a perfectly terrifying voice. I know David Prowse didn't like it, but I like Sebastian Shaw as the face. David Prowse was perfect for the role, too, though. For the role, as well, though, wearing the suit. He had the size, he had the girth, you know, the muscle to really fill the suit out and make it believable. It didn't seem like a tall guy with padding. You could tell that he was very strong and muscular just in his presence. Yeah, I totally agree. It was great casting, great character, great storytelling with that whole thing. I mean, that's why Star Wars is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's been an enduring part of our childhoods and our adolescence, our lives. It's, Star Wars has really shaped quite a bit of my life. It, it's a central focus in my life. It is Star Wars is my hobby in all of its different forms watching it, talking about the movies with my friends, collecting the toys, selling the toys. It's a huge part of my life. Expect it to be a huge part of my life, you know, until the day I die. And I'm sure it's going to, because like I said before, they are not stopping the Star Wars deal. Now that Disney owns it, they got Disney Plus. Oh, no. They've got a whole theme park devoted to it now. Yeah, it's, it's not stopping now, which I'm kind of excited about. Yeah, I'm really, really interested to see what the mouse is going to do with it. When I when I first heard that Lucasfilm was sold, I was I was pretty upset about it. I didn't like the idea, and then the more I thought about it, Disney really does have the global reach and power to make Star Wars into something that it's never been before. It's getting into markets that it that it's never really been part of before, like China. The mouse has taken taken Star Wars to China far more than it's ever been. I mean, some of the greatest stories ever told, I feel like, are Disney movies. And if it's not a Disney movie, Disney's going to buy it eventually. Yeah, no doubt. So I feel <laughs> if they're telling stories like that about fish, like Finding Nemo, or, you know, a robot like Wally, and, you know, things like that, what could they possibly do with the Star Wars universe? And I, I think the sky, a, a new galaxy is the limit. Oh, I agree, 100%. It's going to be real exciting to see the standalone movies, the Star Wars stories, and to see what they do with the saga, because it's not going to stop at nine. They'll do another trilogy here in a few years, maybe ten. It'll happen. I totally agree, and I have a feeling it's going to be about Rey. Right, right. Yep, Rey Skywalker. I like how she returned the old Lars Farmstead. Oh, that was awesome. That was a very, very cool... Very, very cool way to, to end it like that. I thought that was really well done. Yep, Ray, look, at, look into the horizon under the twin suns of Tatooine, right where it all began. Right where it all began for us. Yeah, that was a good closing moment, especially with the lightsabers, putting them in the sand or dirt, whatever you want to call it, and they sinking in. And the way right. it ended, I thought, was really, really awesome because of how the story started. It, it came full circle. I like that. I like a cyclical feeling, especially when you're dealing with such a vast story. Yeah, we're talking about a story that started in 1976. 77. Well, I guess, yeah, it did start in 76 when they started doing the production and everything. It's created such a, a universe around it. The merchandising, the people, you know, and, I mean, people cry over this stuff. They get real emotion out, out of it. And that's something you don't get out of, out of most movies, you know. It's like, did you like this movie? No, I thought it sucked. Oh, well, you know, everybody can have their opinion. But Star Wars, the smallest aspects of the of these movies can initiate 
huge debates and conversations. You know, it's such a massive part of our culture. Huh? A, a comparison I, I like to make to give an idea of the scale and uh, the scope of Star Wars is it took Elvis Presley 50 years to get onto one stamp. It took Star Wars 30 years to get onto 15. That's a pretty powerful statement right there. You know, it took less time to accomplish more. You see Star Wars everywhere. I, I watched a documentary about banana growers and, and about how they evil they are to their, uh, to their employees. The employees had these protest signs, and they had a silhouette of Darth Vader on the protest sign representing the owners of the plantations. And these people may have never seen Star Wars whatsoever, but they know Darth Vader, evil, you know, the Empire, evil, you know, and, and they understood the concept of it. It's, it's one of those things you don't ever have to have seen a movie, but you can probably name a half dozen characters. Oh, yeah, maybe even more. I mean, obviously, there's Luke, Han, Leia, Darth yep. Vader, Chewie. Chewie, 3PO, R2, like, easy. Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda would go in there, too. And, and now you've got, you know, Jar Jar Binks, and because so many people have talked about him, Ray and, and, and Kylo and, and BB-8, you know, they're the, the Ewoks, you know, that's... Yeah. You know, everybody knows what a stormtrooper is. If you showed somebody a picture of a stormtrooper... They're going to say, oh, it's a stormtrooper from Star Wars. Or, or at the very least, they'll be like, oh, it's one of those soldiers from Star Wars. And they'd be right. And the Death Star and the Millennium Falcon. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you can show pictures and they're like, people would be, oh, that's Star Wars. Even if they've never seen a movie, they know that's, that's Star Wars. I mean, you were talking about, you know, the amount of time people have spent with Star Wars and what it means to people. I mean, I've done quite a few interviews almost somewhere around 40 and we have went over 40 minutes talking about nothing but star wars usually every other guest that i have we talk about different things we've went over 40 minutes only on star wars <laughs> that's a testament to it i'm watching a documentary on star wars right now in the background i've got the volume turned down because i've watched it a bunch of times the people versus george lucas another Another great show if you've ever seen it. It's a little bit dated. It's about 15 years old, but a great documentary nonetheless. People spend tons of time and money on the, on the costumes. They, when the new movies come out, there's there's people wearing the costumes you know, without ever having seen the movie, having just seen trailers or maybe some production stills or something. Very incredibly accurate costumes. You know, on top of that, you know, there's whole groups like the 501st Legion and their whole thing is to just cosplay as Star Wars. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I never understood that stuff because I was just like, you know, outside of Halloween, never really dressed up to, to go do anything like that. And like right. Trekkies and Star Wars, I never really got into that. I think it's cool to see them every once in a while. But yeah, you're right, man. I mean, there's podcasts that are devoted just to Star Wars and people dressing up in the costumes. Not even talking about the movies or the books or characters. Oh, no. Just about the costumes and merch. Yeah, just, I mean, just just the costumes. You know, I bet I bet on YouTube right now. There's probably two dozen incredibly popular channels devoted to just cosplaying, just dressing up as a Star Wars character, which to me is insane. Yeah, not to mention all all the toy channels and all all the speculative channels and all the channels and then all they do is sit and talk about the, and debate Star Wars and break it down and nitpick it. There's only a finite amount of Star Wars, 
and it's getting to be more every day, but this isn't like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is, there is a very finite amount of it. Yeah, I mean, if you put the amount of Star Wars, like Marvel or DC or WWE or Mm -hmm. anything like that, it is not even close. It's getting, you know, quadrupled amount of stuff compared to what is out for Star Wars. You're totally right about that. Everybody's got way more stuff out than Star Wars, way more material, characters, storylines, stuff like that. But what Star Wars has done in just the the amount that they've come out with is 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 groundbreaking there's no doubt about it oh and the people it connects literally everyone from every walk of life it doesn't matter what social group you're from what social caste you're from what continent you're from there's somebody there that's into star wars there's somebody in your group that's into star wars no matter you know the rich to the poor men women People of every race, creed, religion, color, everything. Star Wars is represented in every single social group, everywhere. Literally would not shock me if there's there's some tribesmen and, and deep Amazon that knows about Star Wars. As an extreme example, but maybe some missionary was wearing a shirt and told him about the movie. Maybe. That could totally happen. <laughs> I'd like to think that it's happened out there somewhere, and if it hasn't, I'm going to be that missionary. I could, I could see that. Actually, that's kind of what I was thinking already when you first said that. Yeah, it was. You have a moment to talk about my Dark Lord of the Sith, Darth Vader. Such a great series, and it, and it really did kind of end on a high note. I totally agree, and, and I, I I like how it ended. Like I said, Star Wars in general is not over, but the way the saga ended, I thought it ended well. I thought that um, the storylines that were completed were completed good, and I think the storylines that they left open for new and exciting stuff that, because like we said, we want something different. We want Star Wars, but we just want something new, and I feel like they opened the doors for that to happen. There's going to be a lot to come out. You know, there's going to be a lot of movies coming out and, and shows I said, I do kind of try to avoid the speculative stuff. Uh, and I like to be a surprise when something new comes out. But I know I know there's there's more live action stuff in the works. There's more cartoons in the works. There's more Clone Wars coming out. I know that for sure. And I think, uh, I think Star Wars is in uh, really good hands. I'm happy that they've kept George around as an advisor. Yeah, if they didn't, I don't think it'd work out as well as it has. I think yeah. I think you have to have him there. I don't think George needs to make any more Star Wars movies. He made Star Wars. Thank you, George, for what you've done and contributed to society. But he doesn't need to make any more. Leave it, leave it to the other people. And I agree with that. But I think him as an, an advisor role, and, you know, if you get into it, a gray area, I think he's the guy that can help you go black or white or good or bad and and make it what i feel the star wars community and what i feel like just you know movie viewers in general would like to see i I feel like he needs to be in that role indeed indeed. he needs to be he needs to remain part of it you know if there was ever a time when when while he was still alive that there was star wars and he wasn't involved i don't think it would have as much driving power as it does now as long as the mouse continues to listen to George's advice, Star Wars is going to be better. They don't always have to take his advice, but as long as they, they continue to listen to it, they're going to be better for it. 
totally agree, my friend. Well, with that said, hopefully they continue to make great Star Wars movies and it doesn't go down a rabbit hole and turn into something that it shouldn't turn into. We both hope that does not happen. Well, thank you very much for having me on uh, your podcast, Brandon. The Force will be with you. (laughs) I appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on.